Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. Now, some of you pleased, some of you disappointed that we still can't play videos on this. It seems to not be working properly. So I can't give you the blaring music and the fancy uh, intro. And so you've just got me. But I keep forgetting to put my little thing. I feel naked until I put this up. There we go. That feel, feels a bit better. So, hi, I'm Jack. And uh, we do a chewing it over from 12.30 till 1 o'clock on weekdays and i have some guest hosts on tuesdays which have been fantastic so if you didn't catch leanne antoine's session on uh, he was with my she was with my friend ash james on tuesday uh, and i just caught up with that this morning it was absolutely brilliant episode so do check that out uh, our guest hosts now joining on on tuesdays have been doing a great job um but one of the things that i've had planned for a little while now is to speak to ellie summers who's a, an american physiotherapist who posted some tweets that really sort of made me challenge my thinking and, and sort of like I think I also recognized some of my own instincts and in thinking like I think I disagree with that and then I thought actually no I don't there's clearly loads more to this beneath the tweet and so let's 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 speak about it and so um I, I dm'd her and she was kind enough to to grant us some time and by the way it's like 5 a.m or something in the US so I feel super guilty for dragging her out of bed but the subject matter is so important now coincidentally uh, we've had this plan for a little while, but coincidentally, it's the week of which we've got a lot of shows to this effect this week because it's, it's obviously on Monday, it was International Women's Day. So we had a great session with Lucy McDonald about sexism in MSK and some of the experiences of discrimination that she's faced, as well as a conversation tomorrow with Joe Turner that brings it together in and around sort of some of the other more complex gender questions. But Ellie speaks really well to this this notion of why are there such relevant statistical disparities, particularly in sport, and just ahead of ahead of the show we've just been talking about the fact that that then overlaps sometimes with within business as well which is what lucy spoke to so well on monday so hopefully all the technology is behaving itself and working please let me know if you can hear okay in the chat and get stuck in and get involved uh, don't be shy on that because this is very much about participation and um, for you to get to your questions out to, to ellie and so please do do let me know uh, on the chat both whether or not the text working and behaving itself, but also how you can get stuck in and involved in what is an important subject. So as long as the technology behaves itself, I will, in a couple of clicks, bring you Ellie Summers. Ellie, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can Fantastic. you hear me? Yes, absolutely. All the way across the pond, as we say. Um, <laughs> thank you for such an early morning. What time is it over there now? Uh dare i say it's 4 30 a.m oh, i said five and I'm, I'm, <laughs> how strong's the coffee um so hugely appreciated and and the first thing you said when i when i thanked you for that this morning is it's an important enough topic to get stuck into and so i really appreciate that because i agree could you just introduce yourself for the audience and the roles that you have at the moment yeah so my name is ellie summers and i'm a physical therapist in seattle and i run a small private practice called sisu sports performance and physical therapy where i offer run coaching and strength and conditioning and um, physiotherapy and then i'm also the team physical therapist for the united states australian rules football team the women's team um, Brilliant. So day-to-day, -day, that's, that's the stuff that I'm doing, programming and helping people in pain um, and helping, helping the team athletes. Fantastic. Now, what, as I mentioned in the, in the intro briefly, um, there were a couple of tweets of yours that um, I think you know, one, of the, one of the first things that I'd seen your name attached to, admittedly, for me, which was really exciting how it much it confronted me. And then, as I said, it, realized, it made me realize, like, I'd love to talk about this further and who better than the person that wrote it. And I'll just pull those tweets up. Um, and so, so those of you that can, that can see this, um, 
And so what, for those that are listening after the fact on audio podcast, I'll read it out for you, but we're just putting this up on screen. It's my belief that there is no shortage of qualified women who want to work in pro sports. There's a shortage of systems designed to support, encourage, develop and welcome women so that they can. It follows up with blaming women for flawed institutionalized problems, ahem, discrimination in pro sports is not a solution to the lack of diversity seen in those institutions accountability is now ellie you got so much in two tweets there like that's that's one of the things that sort of set the scene for this this and beyond but firstly could you just expand on those and, and, and what inspired those yeah so those were inspired from a post that was done by a woman in professional sports and she was really talking about um how she's been supported to get there in ways, and then also how few women actually apply for jobs and things of that nature. And the post to me came off as uh, blaming to women that it's our fault, that we don't apply, that we don't take these chances. Um, I think there is a a bit of truth to some of that for sure, Um, but that's what inspired the post and some of my thoughts on the post. Fantastic. Now, when I when I DM'd you, it feels a while ago, doesn't it? It's probably only like a couple of months tops. But like when I DM'd you, I did say I didn't want to get you in false pretenses. I admitted that this sort of there was plenty I agreed with there, but also there were bits where I felt like, oh, there's something I'd love to get stuck into. And one of the things there is that I wondered whether or not you feel that the and also from from studying a little more of your your work and contributions since my approach, I've come to realise that I wondered if. One of the things that you feel is that the statistical inequities that can exist between sort of the, the gender representation across sort of pro sports therapies, whether or not you feel that the gap between that and what would be gender parity is in and of, in of, of itself uh, evidence of discrimination and, and the biases that can exist there. I just wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't deny, you can't deny it. Uh, it's a very blaringly obvious difference how many women are involved and i don't know the statistics there um compared to men but uh, very clearly different yeah. mm. and then the the because the, i agree with that i mean it's, it's so obvious and 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 certainly you know it's a shame we don't have the data but if we did it'd be very variable between countries and also definitionally it's different difficult sometimes because like yourself contemporary therapists are appropriately blurring the lines between coaching and and how it it varies msk and sports sometimes used synonymously but they're slightly different so i think that where the interesting conversation lies which is what your tweet spoke so powerfully to is the why that you know is where the interesting stuff is and i don't know if it's fair for me to categorize what you described as this post that preceded yours but cheryl sandberg's lean in theory being one where that is sort of and the majority of that thesis was this notion of if if females could arbitrarily become more assertive and put themselves forward more that would bridge that gap almost in and of itself when you know that that certainly for me seems a bit of a stretch to associate that in full but almost you know do you feel that actually that, that that is being described is is what the nonsense is that you're calling yeah, I mean, when that book came out, I was like, oh, this is this is accurate. And then I think as a woman, you start to realize that that's for privileged people, right. <laughs> people in certain positions, you know, and societally, you know, I think there's a lot of conditioning that goes on 
for women that that does make it more difficult for us to apply for certain jobs and to make certain moves or um, try to progress our career. You know, Cheryl, somebody who had a good amount of money and then had also people supporting her along the way to help get her where she was going. Um, yeah. And in sport, you know, I think the, the good old boys club, classically speaking, is very prominent and not easy for everyone to get into. And some of the comments that I received on that post on Instagram, because I shared it also on Instagram, were very much like I was told not to apply. I was told that if I applied, they didn't want to deal with, you know, sexual discrimination on the on the staff and things of that nature. And so, you know, ironically, like there's there's two sides to every story, I think you could say. And in sport, the the systematic kind of exclusion of women has been very real while I think it, it's also improving. Mm. And and that's that's where I guess I wonder is your is your position then that the um the choice related variables and the likelihood of women putting themselves forward for those roles is a feature but not as prevalent uh, sorry not as big a part of that gap as is being inferred by others or is it that you feel that actually it's it's something that doesn't exist? Look, I think women who want to work in sport probably played sport and are probably more often than not very driven individuals who are making moves to try and get a direction. Hmm. I can tell you that to get my footy job, um, something that I did was I sent my resume to the coach and just was like, you guys need help, I think. So <laughs> my resume, I, you know, and that's maybe like, one of those examples of kind of taking it to the next level, having enough confidence to say, I think I'm worth it. I think you guys would benefit from my help. And it wasn't a year later that finally they reached out to me and were like, I think you're right. <laughs> so, you know, there's like, there's like a balance to all of it. But part of why I was so fortunate to get this role was also because I had women pulling me up and women that I knew on the team and, um, other professionals in physiotherapy that helped push that along. And so, mm. you know, there's a balance. So the accountability piece is me or you or whoever making the moves to try and get there. There's also the pulling people along piece. And I think that piece in particular has not been as robust for women professionals. Mm. And, and as you've said, I think you can, you, you, certainly can't want to or wouldn't want to excuse it but you can sort of understand why historically for, for male dominant uh, dominated sports in participation and, and obviously where a lot of the the money is for other reasons some of which overlaps significantly of course with the institutionalized conversation we're having but also that at that high level of sport there's then this idea that oh we'll err on the side of caution and have male therapists as a means of then it matters less if you put the table in the shower room or, you know, you, you've got all right. these different features that mean that then organizations just as a matter of complacency have created yeah. barriers. And then I'm not excusing that because they should have been more thoughtful, but then similarly, even without the more overt discrimination, the system, this systemic piece, you can so understand. Yeah. And myself and my now wife who's, who's now a pediatric therapist who works in respiratory so less in the msk and sports game but when we were first, both juniors we both worked across um semi-pro sport and and definitely that was something that opened my eyes to the fact that 
that literal example whereby you go to an away game and the table is in the where the changing room meets the showers was mm-hmm. something and and what was interesting to me is that she was she was less bothered about that than I was in many many circumstances however the opportunity that sometimes the, the blokes would take to test that water and as if to infer that it's completely normal for them to go and have their wrist strap naked by my wife is yeah. something that you know that the, the, those those are situations that she should never have been put in and right. those sorts of circumstances have de- definitely opened my eyes then and I can so understand why those barriers definitely play a part in where why that gap exists when it comes to other variables in play and where i think it sometimes gets controversial is where there are to my eye relevant distinctions between what we know in the data between the aspirations of 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 men and women on the mean and obviously therefore trying to understand right what of obviously to, to speak clinical language for a second like it's a biopsychosocial thing as which it's difficult to uncouple but when we yeah. start to talk about maybe dispositional differences that are somewhat at least related to biological forces that's where it sort of gets contentious because do you feel that actually they are overplayed underplayed don't exist do exist like how does that factor into your analysis I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, probably all of it is very real and very is worth just considering and asking, you know, what are, what are the reasons why these differences exist and in sport? And I don't know if I know how to answer that quite frankly. (laughs) Mm, Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking on the fly, but it's kind of, because it's complex stuff, and obviously, I would, you know, um, I f- certainly I probably needed to prep you for a week long answer, I guess, on something <laughs> as complex as that. But I suppose I'm admitting to you that one of the things that I feel gets contentious, and, and I, I certainly will weigh into any topic as it's topical, but admittedly, on something like this, I've found it that that is such a fraught question, in part because people are sometimes really sensitive to only wanting to talk about sociological variables, much like we have mm. done. But then yeah. on the, I know that on the pelvic health show that we ran through Therapy Live last weekend, we actually, there were some great talks on, on the menopause, on, on cyclical menstrual factors that affect performance and, and, and things like that, that make me realize that to, to infer that there isn't a relevant biological component, albeit yeah. completely ridiculous to infer that that's all of it. But yeah. if we weren't to do that, actually we'd do women a disservice to not recognize that both on a performance level, as well as for therapists to, to make sure that they've got those opportunities. And I think that that's what made me then think, well, we got, you know, ignoring it is actually not the answer there. And that we've got yeah. to kind of grapple with it, even though it's messy. And I suppose that's why I wondered, you know, cause I know some people and I've heard from these people, especially this week that then say that any, inference that there's relevant biological differences between men and women again on a on a on a level is something that is test you know tantamount to, to bigotry and i just wondered if you know are you you know is, is that a position that you hold or do you have sympathies to that position no yeah i have sympathies to that position i mean i don't there are there are biological differences most certainly you know but at the core of it we still function very much the same Um, and we're still human beings. And so we're all subject to, you know, the biological pieces, the social pieces, the psychological pieces, men Mm. and women. And Mm. biologically, you know, I think when it comes to this particular conversation, it, I don't think our biology has any, you know, as much to do with how we can perform in these environments as much as 
maybe some of the undertones of sexuality. And that, that seemed to be a theme of some of the comments that people were making is like, well, we don't want to risk, you know, a sexual harassment suit. Um, that's a piece of it. But then there's also, you know, of course, the other pieces of it, which is just overt discrimination or prejudice, um, bias, you know, it's easier to hire men. We don't have a women's bathroom, you know, so, uh, which is a, maybe a biological thing too, in ways. So sure. yeah, lots mm. to consider, but I'm, I'm inclined to say the bio biological piece is maybe less, less of a factor in my head than mm. the other pieces. Yeah, I think one of the things that's kind of messed with me over the years more than at the moment, but definitely like as we've learned clinically, that of course biopsychosocial issues are not distinct features. You know, these are nested within complex humans in complex social systems. And therefore, the, of course, these things are constantly evolving. I suppose one of the things that I reflect on, and this is why, of course, it's not, you know, I am a I am a man, but it's something that admittedly, as, I, as, I, as, as I've mentioned on this show many times, I'm from a family of engineers that's then gone into healthcare, and therefore, sort of symbolically, um, especially on sort of, if you, if you tested me onto empathy and compassion metrics, you find me sort of dizzy heights, and that's why I've gone into trying to help people. But you also find that because of that, I never aspired to be a traveling therapist with team sports, because... I can't, I can't stand to be away from the home and my family and, and, and things like that. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I find it to be that the, the traveling aspects never appealed to me. And when I've spoken to many colleagues about that, I find more kinship with my female colleagues on that than I do with men. And then that makes me wonder, of course, there's not, that's not biologically determined. However, I can, when I speak to, you know, as a, as a relatively new parent myself, I find that then, weighed you know the whole social issues around caregiving become relevant yeah. to whether or not a given any given man or any given woman might you find more men out of a hundred than you would women that want to travel the world if they can't then if the if the pay grade of that means they can't travel as a family that yeah. for me means you've got this biopsychosocial phenomena playing out and and so you know it's been something i've been grappling with for a while and i was wondered do you, who works in that space, do you find those factors uh, affect the sort of uh, dynamics at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't have children. And, no. you know, I think that that, that piece of it, that, um, yeah, the social side of things and, and the, the pressures that women face to be primary caretakers and um, things of that nature are going to affect their ability to work in these positions. And yet I'm also inclined to say we still need accountability to say, well, sports supports women in that capacity. I mean, even in even athletes, it, having a baby can can drop your your career in an instant. And that's, you know, that shouldn't be the case. And I think yeah. on the physio side, the clinician side, there's probably some accountability bits that need to happen on the systems to support women in those roles and make it more accessible to them. Otherwise, like, why would I apply? You know, I know I'm not going to, if I have a baby, why would I try to go into pro sports if I know that they, there's not going to be support for me? to care for my mm. family or I, you know, and I don't know the solutions there necessarily, but I think there's like two sides to that. There's the side that yes, women are, you know, wanting to have families, you know, 
wanting to, to take care of their kids, not wanting to travel. Um, there's also the side that says, well, what about, what about holding systems accountable and asking for, you know, good maternity leave and um, good family care options? Yeah, when that's where that's where the sort of policy implications of this sort of right. stuff comes in. When the when the conversation and the analysis is thorough enough, is here's a, a declaration of bias from me is that when we thorough enough with the analysis, and I'm forever saying this, put all the cards on the table and have a mature conversation about it. The policy implications of that improves and it removes some of the barriers to then, de you know, the, the systemic features that we've talked about. They can they can melt away now what happens to the statistics then is where the fascinating right. part of it is right because I, I i am admittedly skeptical that we end up in parity because i think that there are <laughs> i think it's just a bit more messy than that now yeah. i've got one more question for you uh, which i'm going to come back to in a second but we're going to go to the comments and there's been some lovely reflections coming on the comments but just to prep you for that what that question will be is can we solve this in sport in msk and in our corner without the real big picture social pieces and political pieces you know that's one of the things i'm going to come back to you on it's like okay. can we really move the needle in our world without the, the big picture stuff and i know you know you're a fairly political person so you know it might, might well open another conversation for us but i just want to come back to you on that in a second one of the things i love about this show and why i'm pleased that we, we've continued to do it is that i come across people in the comments section who are exactly who i've been meaning to approach to be a guest right so holly white and i'm pretty sure this will be the holly white i'm thinking about i've just been reading about her work she's got a new project for sports rehabilitators and and getting women involved in that conversation um which i've seen and been reading about this week so holly thank you so much for commenting but also please you know if, if you fancy coming on the show to talk about these issues and your project then let me know she said really interesting that relevant biological differences coming up often overlooked as it's perhaps more uncomfortable to address than the rest of the whole massive biopsychosocial picture is this because it perhaps more immutable and less easy sorry i always found this difficult to then find the rest of it less easy to change and therefore has to be adjusted for the other than the other parts of the puzzle. I mean, Ollie, this is exactly what I'd love to talk to you about further. Um, I'll definitely, you know, before I go, I'll find another comment, but I just wondered if you could comment on that, Ellie, as to whether or not you feel Ollie's onto something where that is often the harder part of it to discuss. Yeah, I think I think probably that's true. And I think I, I could be wrong here, but again, it maybe comes back to sexuality a little bit. And right. um Oh, the, there's like a lot to unpack there, but I think that probably having these discussions is important and understanding, you know, that you can't slap a woman on her butt when she's in the locker room. And like, there are, there are, you know, behavioral things that go with sexuality, maybe that complicate relationships with women women being in professional sports. And I don't know if that's a biological thing, like I can't quite put my finger on it or like a social thing, um, but the biological piece, it's very, it's usually very obvious that, mm. you know, a woman is a woman. And so- sure. Yeah, um, I mean, I that, that, interse yeah. that intersection with sexuality, I think is, is really interesting. I suppose if the data was more appropriately captured and carefully analyzed, then we'd maybe be able to learn some lessons there as to where, 
maybe gender is is actually a proxy for some of the sexuality variables at this level of of sport and therapy that might well be more revealing than just this gender binary that we've that we're sometimes talking about so i think that's a a really interesting point unfortunately my friend and colleague Gemma oliver has posted here and thank you for sharing this Gemma. but i'm saying unfortunately that you had to experience this but she said that she worked at chef united academy as a volunteer after she qualified was told directly by a coach I would never be able to uh, work with the first team as I was a woman and the players would just want to sleep with me so it'd be distracting. That speaks to something that you've you've mentioned earlier really Ali and uh, you know as you can imagine outpouring a support for for Jem in the uh, in the comments but those sorts of features just I mean hopefully I mean she's I think gone on to say that that was a while back I'm not for a second suggesting the, the world has moved enough on this but I mentioned on Monday that I'm I'm hopeful that my generation and generations beyond me sort of grow up from that because that that's just embarrassing isn't it there's nothing more than just we need to out that behavior yeah i mean that's very real i i had similar comments on my instagram from people being like you know i was told not to apply because they didn't want to deal with sexual harassment clauses and i think that's what i'm alluding to with the biological piece like it's very obvious a woman is a woman biologically for the most part you know, sexual harassment is is a very real issue in sport. And within those contexts, I think that, um, you know, women might not be encouraged to participate in sporting environments because of that as well. So it's unfortunate. And that's that's accountability to me. That's an accountability piece within the system that says we do not tolerate this period. End of sentence. If we have a woman on staff, we are you know, we are taking the steps to make her supported and respect her and keep her boundaries. And we're not going to be engaging in um, overt sexual assault. Mm. Some of the best therapists in the sports game will often be an integral part of the the team in such a way that sometimes that professional boundaries sometimes blurred for good reason for performance. But actually one of the downsides to that is that their, their identity gets blurred in such an interesting way. And because right. you don't have many mixed participation sports at the elite level, you end up in this funny spot whereby that female therapist becoming one of the boys can be a really, a really useful thing in some ways, but then where that, if they behave with, with her as they do with each other to some extent, I mean, at its worst, you know, the, the, the R slapping that occurs in a male rugby changing room, <laughs> right, is, is something that if that then transcends to the friendship you have with said female therapist, I'm not for a second excusing it, but it's just that that's where that identity and boundary issue with where the professional meets the personal and, and how their role and their professional behaviors within a team is something that I think to some extent we've been clumsy to blur those lines a little much. Like I think I, I recognize that sometimes when, when I think back to, to those days where I was more involved in, in, in team sport. Um, the, there's a really interesting comment I'd love your thoughts on here from Luke Ford, who said that working in female rugby has allowed him to develop his understanding of therapy and learn more working in female sport. That's one of the ways in which I think men could probably get further insight into that and to, to define those, those roles and boundaries better. Would you, would you advise and encourage that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm like, you know, part of me is like, oh, women's sport is for women. Uh, I know that's not true, but um, (laughs) I I do think, though, this is an interesting reflection on the 
the access that men have then also to women's sport and the differences in how a man shows up to a woman's game and with those athletes compared right. to a woman showing up to the man's game. Right. And again, this is like a little bit of power structure going on. Yeah. Um, you know, a man showing up to work in the woman's game probably isn't worrying about sexual assault and sexual harassment. And the people hiring him on aren't worrying about that with him being in those roles. And more than likely there's, you know, all of the bathrooms are accessible to him mm. in some capacity. Um, I think there are like, this is like an interesting sort of comparison side to side because yeah, it's a good point. It's a very different experience. It's a, it's a really good, it's a really good point. And to speak to the complex biopsychosocial phenomena, when, if I was to, and, and have, volunteered my, my labor to a female team, mainly on a, just on a tournament level is the example I'm thinking about, is that as I'm, I'm, I'm six, I'm six, four, about hundred kg. And I, the, the last thing on my mind for biopsychosocial reasons in a, in a, in a changing room or therapy room full of the, the, the female athletes would be that risk, my physical risk. Yeah. Whereas it's about safety, right? It, the, mm -hmm. the, 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 and that safety needs to be paramount. And yeah. and, and the, the, the complex phenomena that, that is underneath that is something that is inherently gendered. And and, and yeah. sexuality, as you've mentioned, overlaps with that. And so it's why it's messy, isn't it? That's why we can't be, yeah. you know, it's it's ridiculous for anyone that's biologically reductionist. But then it's also if we just infer that this is an disembodied sociological analysis, I think we miss something too, right? So yeah. uh, you know, thank you so much for wading through this complex stuff together for a little bit i want to come back therefore to that that question i mentioned you know and i know we have not got a, as much time as we need for it but maybe that precedes a, another conversation if, if you fancy do you think that we can move the needle in our space without really those bigger picture features falling into place as well yeah i mean i think there's been proof in the pudding in ways um right. at least in professional sports it seems like even just having conversations is bringing more women into the fold or at least creating an awareness about it and how can we correct it and to be fair i think the black lives matter movement has been a great um great help to awareness on discrimination and bias and so we really need to credit every activist out there that speaks up on these issues because it it helps to push the needle and gives the people in positions of power maybe something to consider and think about. And at the same time, I think that the, without the accountability piece, the accountability being policies in place that help protect and keep people you know, protected and safe, uh, I think it'll it'll be an ongoing struggle to get it Mm. equal, you know, and mm. I don't know that it'll ever be equal. And I don't, I don't know that, you know, I'm under the pretense that equality is the goal necessarily, but, um, well, yeah. you can, you can imagine, we can all imagine a dystopian world in which you get statistical equality or equity that therefore hasn't righted some of the wrongs that we've been describing because it's right. arbitrary rather than thinking carefully about some of those barriers and some of the overt and covert discrimination that's occurring. Thank you so much for your time, especially with the time. For those that are just tuning in, this is like now just about 5 a.m. for Ellie. So I can't believe she's uh, given us our time today. so fresh. 
<laughs> I can't, can't believe how well you've done. I'd be so groggy if I was at 5 a.m. Um, although I was up at 5 a.m. for different reasons with my wailing twins. But uh, that's a different thing. I won't whinge about that today, maybe on tomorrow's show. Um, there's a really interesting point that I just want to flag here because it's no doubt a conversation that I could have with Jem and others is protecting a male therapist in a female world for, for so many other reasons is also paramount for some of the reasons you've mentioned, Jack. Agree, Jem, and I definitely would love to speak about that further. I think one of the things that I want to make sure on, though, though, is that the reputational risk in safety for a, a male therapist in that circumstance, fine, but I would always put that behind the very real physical safety risk on the flip side. You know, that, that's one of the reasons I, I wasn't trying to, to demean some of the other risks that can occur there, but in terms of the, the, the physical safety element that I think can sometimes be gendered there, that's where I was doubling down on. But Jem's right to flag the fact that on the on the flip side, this this shit's messy, right? So let's be let's be mature about it. And and thank you so much, Ellie, for joining me today. Uh, I can't believe uh, that we've been able to have the time to do it. We've covered a lot of ground in half an hour. Could you just point out to people where they can find you on social media and we'll get stuck into this hopefully again in another time? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Ellie Summers and Instagram at the Sisu Wolf. Um, and then on my website, which is the uh, www.sisuwolf.com. Fantastic. Well, thanks a lot. We'll post some links thanks. to those in the uh, discussion forums and chat functions. Uh, but yeah, hopefully I've not, I, I won't, I won't, um, I won't commit you to uh, another episode right now, but uh, you know, this has definitely been something that I've really enjoyed. And I think that, that having these conversations as, as bravely as we can um, and showing that they don't have to be fraught with uh, confrontation, I think is, is useful. And I really appreciate uh, your time today. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here. Nice one. Now, normally I would blare out some really cool graphics and we would all, it would, we would uh, escape into the background behind a really fancy video, but the video is not working. So me and Ellie are just going to like nervously wave until the stream ends. Bye. <laughs>